Welcome to Island Conversations with Sherry Bracken, where we talk about issues facing our Big Island community. Island Conversations, Sunday mornings on KWXX at 6.30 and on B97B93 at 7 a.m. Or listen anytime at kwxx.com. Island Conversations, brought to you by KTA Superstores, where you're someone special every day since 1916. Now, here's your host and producer, Sherry Bracken. Aloha, welcome to a bonus podcast of Island Conversations. As people in Hawaii County know, we are suffering from a real spike in COVID-19 cases. Today, Tuesday, August 25th, we have actually 74 active cases and 209 cumulative, and that is a big, big Spike. I want to talk to Dan Brinkman. He is the chief executive officer of Hilo Medical Center. And after having zero COVID-19 cases in the hospital on August 11th, just within the past week, they have had a huge surge. As of yesterday, Monday, they had 10 patients in the hospital. So I thought it would be good to get an update from Mr. Brinkman as to how many people they have in the hospital with COVID, what precautions they're taking. I wanted to see what kind of capacity they have if they do get additional patients. So I talked to Dan Brinkman, CEO of Hilo Medical Center, on the phone Tuesday afternoon. Aloha, Dan. Aloha, Sherry. It is Tuesday afternoon around 2.30. And the reason I wanted to be specific is that, Mr. Brinkman, how many patients do you have now in Hilo Medical Center with COVID-19? We have 10 patients currently admitted to... Hilo Medical Center with COVID-19. Wow. Now, I know that you've had patients come and go, and you suddenly have gotten a surge because on August 11th, when you gave an update to the Hawaii Island Chamber of Commerce folks, at that time, you had zero COVID patients, and the only one you had had the entire time was at the very start, a patient from the Diamond Princess ship. What's the total number of patients you have had in the last couple of weeks with COVID-19, both those you have now and those you've discharged? We've had 12 total uh, over the last few days, and 10 of them are still with us. They came in pregnant OB for observation uh, and then went back home to come back at another time and deliver. Okay. You know, one of the things that's been concerning, obviously, is this sudden surge we've gotten, particularly in the East Hawaii area. Do you feel that the causes of the spread have been identified? Has the contact tracing been done so that you have a sense as to how many more patients you might be seeing? I think the short answer to that is no. Um, I think this has come on uh, very quickly, and um, we've had different, I guess, clusters in different places. Uh, For what we've seen in the hospital, there's been no one or two sources. It seems to be pretty widely distributed. Um, So, you know, generally three to five percent of patients who get infected require some type of hospitalization. So um, I think what we're seeing is a consequence of the 91 percent increase in COVID positive cases in Hawaii County since August 1. Yeah, it's been a huge increase. It's really kind of daunting. How many of the 10 patients are in your intensive care unit? Uh, Four. And how many are on ventilators? Uh, Nobody's on ventilators. Oh, that's very good news. And that's a question that you can maybe help educate us on. I know that you and all the hospitals have learned a lot. You and all the hospitals, doctors and nurses, have learned a lot since the start of COVID-19. 
it seems like at the beginning, more people were going on ventilators. Clearly, you have four in the ICU, none on ventilators. Why are they on or not on ventilators? What's, what's going on there? Help us understand. So um, generally when patients get admitted to our ICU, there's a progression. Um, usually when you first come in, you don't go straight on a ventilator unless you really have avoided care for a long time. So I think it's too soon to say that we some of our ICU patients won't end up on ventilators. So it's a little early, I guess, is the first comment. The second comment is that uh, there's been... Um, I wouldn't call it a reluctance, but a learning that uh, if you do other measures uh, um, prior, of, um, really for a much longer time before you actually ventilate a patient or mechanically put them on a ventilator, um, that you'll have a better outcome. So there's a thing called high-flow oxygen right now that has become part of the standard care of treatment. So patients are on high-flow oxygen uh, for a much longer period than they were when COVID first came around um, as a precursor to uh, going on a ventilator. And so if you respond well to the high flow, uh, then, of course, you don't need to go on the ventilator, which in the long run is um, is probably the best thing for the patient. Yeah, I understand that once you go on a ventilator, it's not actually the best thing for your body, and it's difficult sometimes to get off a ventilator? Uh, that is correct, yes. The uh, other comment, uh, uh, and that I guess changes the probably the two other main, I guess, evolutions in uh, treatment is that there's a lot more use of steroids to kind of uh, control the body's overreaction to the virus. In some cases, people have a really exaggerated immune response, which can hurt, uh, which can hurt them and delay their recovery. And then the other is the use of. Uh, I think you see it in the news, but remdesivir, which is it's like interferon. It uh, basically um, attacks the virus and helps uh, um, reduce the severity of the illness and improve recovery for these patients. Mr. Brinkman, where are these COVID patients being, I'll use the term, housed? I've heard you mention a COVID pod, but tell us what that means, because we sort of want to know whether the COVID patients are putting either staff or other patients at risk of catching the virus. So uh, a pod is, uh, you know, it's just kind of our terminology. It's become kind of common in um, uh, in hospitals, you start with a pod and then you go to uh, a wing and sometimes a floor. Um, what that means in actuality is you, if you have a hallway, for example, which is what we start with, um, that um, is relatively segregated, you put up um, plastic barriers and other well, uh, temporary anti-rooms and you basically seal off that area and you create a COVID pod or a COVID wing. Um, if you get past a certain size, you make the whole unit a COVID unit, which, uh, like in Queens, they have a couple of COVID units now. But you start pod, wing, unit, you know, all the way up, I guess, to potentially a whole hospital. So are all your COVID patients in that same area in the pod? Uh, yes, we have uh, the ones that are not in ICU are all in a pod, and then the rest are in ICU. Are they in the regular ICU with other intensive care patients? They are, but they're potted off. And then uh, as we get past a certain level, we have plans to actually create a, a, a larger area uh, in the ICU because uh, we do have some ICU expansion plans. Right now our ICU is 
full with a combination of COVID and our regular ICU patients. We don't have a lot of additional ICU capacity, and that's something I hope we address as a hospital here in the near future, but on a routine day, we will have nine of our, nine or ten of our 11 ICU beds filled with regular patients. Uh, so we have some plans, but uh, we don't have a ton of extra capacity. Well, that brings us to the question of if you get more COVID-19 patients that have to go into intensive care, what are you going to do? So we have a plan uh, to, we can potentially even up to double the number of intensive care patients we can care for. We use uh, part of our post-anesthesia recovery area, and we also uh, can use uh, one of our, our one of our step down units to take uh, I would guess a little more of our if there's such a thing our less sick or minor ICU patients to stress our uh, stretch our capacity so uh, we can go from a bed perspective that far however uh, one of the limiting factors is staffing um, I, I think that probably a more likely scenario for us is to not have enough staff rather than to not have enough locations to put patients. That is something that Hilton Rathal, who's head of the Healthcare Association of Hawaii, has mentioned the staff shortage or the potential staff shortage at all of our state's hospitals. What is Hilo Medical Center going to do to address that potential shortage? Well, it's a little trickier here on the neighbor islands. Oahu has put in a request for potentially for federal assistance, and there's a rather long process to go through to get that assistance. At this point, since this just developed for us in the last couple of days, we weren't part of that uh, request, but potentially we will add ourselves onto it if necessary. Um, where, where we are right now is, while we've seen this increase, uh, we're, like a lot of the hospitals, wanting to figure out where the peak is because what happens is, you know, when Oahu started kicking it with 250, 300 cases a day, uh, that was several weeks ago. It's drifted down now. The, usually you're getting now around the 150s, 170s. Uh, what we see is a downstream impact of that from the hospital. So I think the Oahu hospitals are experiencing the impact of those first couple of weeks are really high positives, and now they're hopeful that they see a gradual decline the other way as um, some of the new restrictions were put in place. I think we're going to follow that same sort of curve, and what we're hoping is that um, some of the um, restrictions that were put in place maybe a week ago will gradually come into play for us and we'll be able to survive this surge. If you do need additional staff, I know that Mr. Rathel mentioned that he was looking not just for federal support, but also for support from other states. But of course, that's a challenge because other states have the same situation that we do, maybe a worse situation than we do. Are you still getting people from other states who are working on a temporary basis at Hilo Medical Center? And is that one of the solutions you're looking at? Uh, we, we have some, uh, what, what most people would call travelers. Uh, we've always used uh, a certain portion of, a uh, certain percentage of our workforce, our contract, or traveling nurses that's uh, in a mainstay or a part of our workforce for 10 plus years because we're on a neighbor island. 
Uh, it's been harder to get that help here recently because, uh, uh, for one, Oahu has uh, been in this surge mode longer than we have, and so they've gob- gobbled up a bit of that market. Uh, the other is that also parts of the West Coast, California, have been experiencing surges too, and so they also tap into that market. So um, it's been harder. Uh, we are trying. We've gotten a couple of our requests filled, uh, but not all of them. So in the time it takes to respond to a surge, we're talking generally matters of days and a couple of weeks, uh, you generally cannot get outside help in quick enough to manage that uptick. And what we end up doing is we have different types of staffing plans to accommodate it. We have a lot of, not a lot, we have some capacity where nurses who work in administrative roles, whether they be managers or educators or other uh, services, will pitch in often to take care of the less sick patients. So our um, I guess our staff who routinely work in the front lines can then care for COVIDs and others really sick patients. So we have some capacity to stretch our staffing and to kind of do an all-hands-on-deck sort of thing, but that only lasts for so long. I really do commend your staff, you and everybody on the staff, because I know Hilo Medical Center has very much stood up to this challenge, So, and that and that's so important for the island. So when you talk about the pods, wings, whatever it is where the COVID patients are put, how do you ensure that they won't infect either the staff or other hospital patients? There's some pretty well-established protocols that have been put out by the CDC and also have been tested in a number of other hospitals because if there's any advantage we have is that uh, we're a little later on in the process and we've been following things closely and we've learned from the experiences of you know, hospitals on the mainland or even you know, in countries like Italy and others as to how to protect your workers. Our PPE is quite good. We use you know, the N95, the face shields, the goggles if needed, uh, different types of gowns. We will also uh, screen off and pod our areas to manage our airflow. And then I think we're also helped a bit by uh, how the virus itself transmits. There's been some, you know, understanding. You're less likely, it's not impossible, to pick it up off of surfaces. It's um, mostly respiratory transmitted. And if you wear your N95s, your surgical masks, the patient has those on and you have good air circulation, it's not that easy to transmit if you're very careful. Yeah, otherwise, honestly, uh, hospitals would have just, all of them would have just shut down overnight because of the, the amount of patients that have run through the facilities across the country. So we believe if we strictly adhere to the protocols, we can protect our staff. And then the other thing we do, which is really important, is that uh, we have testing programs for our staff to make sure that if someone is infected, that we catch it early and we can have them, you know, go out and recover and we can stay away from infecting one another or most importantly people going home and going around others and not knowing that they're infectious and out there circulating and that's how you get those clusters going. And just a brief interruption to remind you, this is Island Conversations, and I'm Sherry Bracken. This is a bonus podcast. Usually, Island Conversations is on the radio on Sundays on the Big Island of Hawaii on KWXX and B97 and B93, and the following Friday on KPUA 670 AM in Hilo. Island Conversations is always posted as a podcast wherever you get podcasts. Just look for Island Conversations, and it's always available at kwxx.com 
and B97Hawaii.com. Today we're talking with Dan Brinkman, Chief Executive of Hilo Medical Center, the only hospital on the island that currently has COVID-19 patients. We wanted to get an update. Before we get back to Mr. Brinkman, let's hear from our generous sponsor, KTA Superstores, which has seven stores on the big island to meet a whole lot of your food and product needs. At KTA, local and fresh means you get the very best Hawaii Island has to offer. The grass-fed meats you find at KTA are raised without added hormones or antibiotics. Our seafood department is stocked with sustainable choices caught in local waters by local fishermen. KTA carries the largest selection of Hawaii Island homegrown produce. Our mountain apple brand is all local so you know it's fresh and delicious. Local and fresh always tastes best at KTA. One more thing about, well, maybe two more things about the pods where you keep the COVID patients. If they need things like an x-ray or laboratory tests, are those things that can be done in that area, or do they have to go to other places in the hospital? Most of that stuff can come to them, like we have portable x-rays and whatnot. Uh, if we have to take someone for, uh, you know, down for imaging, uh, we can transport COVID-positive patients. Uh, you know, they're, they're generating, you know, virus from their exhalation, their respiratory back and forth of their breathing, but that's why we mask them. And then in certain circumstances, we'll also have another layer around them. That's uh, pretty unusual that that's needed. And then everyone who transports, of course, is also protected. So this is why PPE is so important. It uh, basically allows us to care for the patient and protect the worker by, you know, you basically have portable barrier that you're wearing on your body. And that's certainly crucial. One of the things that you've done, Dan Brinkman, at Hilo Medical Center is you are doing regular live updates via video with everybody on your staff who might want to watch, and you take live questions. I listened to the one that you did on August 20th, and you talked about the volume of personal protective equipment that you have on hand. Tell us what you have so that people can feel comfortable. Well, we've been doing reasonably well. We took advantage of, I guess, this law, and I commend our procurement team. They Literally, we had two people whose I think their only job was to search everywhere for additional PPE. We had two large orders we were able to fill, so we had... Uh, so now we're up to these N95s we talk about. Right now we have like 83,000 of those, and uh, we have about... Two million gloves, and I think we have 78,000 gowns and 4,000 face shields and about um, a couple hundred thousand surgical masks. Uh, we have others. We have some uh, surgical masks been hard to get, but uh, we have some orders in play. We think we'll have enough. Uh, well, that sounds like a whole lot of uh, a whole lot of you know, for example, two million gloves. Uh, we can go through, you know, several thousand a day. So it goes through, it goes very quickly. Um, but we're fortunate, we think, that we're in a good place with PPE, um, and we think we can get through this current surge. Um, of course, if it continues long-term, uh, we can rapidly deplete that supply. The federal government is theoretically sending additional supplies, obviously, through the state. Is additional equipment available to you should you need it from the state? Or what, what are you going to do if you do deplete that equipment? Well, um, there's a uh, part of uh, Hospital or Healthcare Association of Hawaii is uh, they have a emergency management arm, uh, H, Hawaii Emergency Management 
H-F-E-M. Anyway, I don't get the acronym. Yeah. Just right. What's that? What is it? Hawaii Healthcare Emergency Management. Yeah, Hawaii Healthcare Emergency Management, and they um, uh, basically help with the emergency stockpile for the various hospitals uh, of PPE. They work with the feds to uh, get our share of emergency supply, and then they also. Uh, distribute it to the different hospitals depending on our level of need and shortage. So the state's quite organized. Uh, uh, HAH and Hilton Brayton and his team have done a really good job keeping us all working together. There are regular calls and coordination of medications and supplies and even of beds and interactions with the federal government and so forth. So I think um, Hawaii is in a real good state given the amount of cooperation that's going on between the different, for the 13 acute hospitals. It does sound like there's a lot of coordination and I'm guessing nobody would want to transfer a patient to Oahu. Do you have to? Is there a need to? Would Oahu take any more COVID patients? In general, there's probably some reluctance given the demands that they have now. They actually are in more challenging straits than we are. What they have continued to do, Queens in particular, is still accept transfers of our highly ill or critical patients like uh, neurosurgery patients and patients who uh, need open-heart surgery, those sorts of things. We still have access to those services, and that's crucial because we don't provide certain types of services on the island, only Queens or, in some cases, Straub and Kaiser do. So we've been able to maintain those transfers. When it comes to the more, uh, we don't really transfer a lot, to be honest. Uh, we only transfer a couple percent of our patients, period. But uh, when it comes to COVID, COVID is something that we actually can manage here from a clinical basis, and we have the right physicians. It's mostly a function of do we have enough beds. So uh, we really don't plan to transport COVID patients. I think that would be a last resort if we had to do it, and then only if they have capacity to take them. Lieutenant Governor Josh Green has been doing regular updates on hospital capacity. That includes ventilators. Just today he said that we have 459 ventilators in the whole state, and as of this morning, 109 of them were in use. And by the way, those are not in use for COVID patients. He didn't say how many, but there's only 50 COVID patients in intensive care in the whole state is what he said. So clearly we're not using all the ventilators for COVID patients. So how many ventilators does Hilo Medical Center have and how many are in use right now? No, we have 32 ventilators just as far as machines go. However, we're only using four. The reason we have so many ventilators compared to our number of our beds is that we had actually replaced a substantial portion of them and we kept our older ones around and serviceable to get us through this crisis. Honestly, uh, ventilator use is down with COVID patients, as you mentioned earlier. We've run out of uh, staff and respiratory therapists before we ran out of the actual ventilators. What are some of the other things that people go on ventilators for? What are the diseases or underlying conditions that require that? Mostly respiratory, so congestive heart failure is one when the heart can't pump and the lungs fill up with fluid, and so you need a ventilator. Sometimes people who have can, uh, chronic obstruction or pulmonary disease or COPD, they can't move enough air, and at the very end, sometimes they require ventilation. And then we have people who have brain injuries and other 
multi-organ system problems that uh, eventually affect their lungs or their ability to breathe. So you can be quite sick from reasons other than respiratory and still end up on a ventilator. And then, of course, when we put you to sleep to do surgeries, we use anesthesia machines, and occasionally people need ventilation after their surgery if they recover from it. So those are probably the main reasons for ventilators. You mentioned that you have a regular testing protocol for the staff, the employees at Hilo Medical Center. How many employees have you had who have tested positive for COVID? Um, amazingly, none. Yay. We have 1,600, well, if you count our temporaries and part-timers, 1,600 employees. Hindsight being 2020, I think our surveillance testing has been good in our are stressing with all of our staff about the importance of, you know, using their masks here. We're masked everywhere in this hospital. And we got to give credit to our infection control guys. I think you may have met Chad Shibuya. He does some radio spots, but he really motivates people um, in a really engaging personal way to look out for themselves and others, wear their mask and, you know, do it right. And we fortunately... I don't know how long it'll last, but up to now, we, we, we haven't had any of our employees uh, test positive. That's great. And, you know, Chad also does a print ad where he shows how to wear a mask properly, which is really helpful. It is, and it uh, makes people chuckle I and mean, pay attention and then also get it why it's so important. <laughs> you know, on the topic of testing, you probably know that today, Tuesday, the Surgeon General of the United States, Dr. Jerome Adams, is here in the state, and he announced that the federal government is very concerned about the spike in cases in the state, with obviously Oahu being worst. But he did mention Hawaii County as a hotspot. The federal government is standing up a mass testing program, mostly on Oahu, one location on Kauai, but also they're going to be doing mass testing at Pahoa Pharmacy here on the Big Island because he said that we really do need a better look at how much COVID there is in the state, and obviously he's concerned about what's happening here on this island. So I'm just curious, your general response to the amount of testing that's been done here on the island, the amount of COVID spread you're seeing before and now, just your general thoughts as the CEO of Hilo Medical Center. So there's definitely been an increase. Um, Part of the HAH is tracking, which I find very reliable because the um, hospitals submit that data daily to this, uh, this database. Uh, you know, it really has shown the increase over time, and certainly since August 1, we've gone up 91%. Uh, we also look at another number, which is uh, our positivity rate. So what that is is uh, it is a good reflection of how much uh, COVID is circulating in the community because it's not specific to the particular number of tests, but what percentage of whatever number of tests was done that day are positive. So... You know, if you do 100 tests and 10 are positive, well, you have a 10% positivity. We have been running under 1% for a long time. And then what we've seen in the last uh, last week and a half or so or two weeks is a you know a rapid jump. And we're averaging over 5% now of the tests that come back are actual positive. Uh, when you get uh, to that number, what that uh, tells you is that you have COVID circulating in your community, and uh, we need to start uh, 
being thoughtful about what we're doing to basically limit that spread, which simply boils down to restrictions and maybe being a little tighter on what we're allowing in the community. I think we all were pretty fed up with the total lockdown, and then you get out there and everybody just kind of releases and goes and sees everyone, and I think we got, maybe we got a little carried away there, especially with the large gatherings. County Civil Defense even said that many of the cases they were seeing now were coming from large memorial gatherings in Hilo and Puna. And when Jerome Adams, Dr. Jerome Adams was talking this morning, he said, basically, it's very simple. The three W's, wear a mask, wash your hands, watch your distance. So he wants people to do the same things that we all know we're supposed to do. Is there anything else you'd like to add, Dan Brinkman, before we say aloha? Anything I didn't ask that would be useful for the community to understand? Yeah, I'd like to just share with the community that a lot of our work has been around making sure that as a hospital we can care for the COVID patients, but also importantly care for the community's other health care needs. We found after the first shutdown that a lot of people avoided the care that they needed, and I guess the message to them is that I think we have the proper precautions in place where people can come to the hospital even as we go through this COVID crisis and get the care that they need, but also be confident that we can care for those of them that are unfortunate enough to catch the COVID. So uh, we can do both and they should feel safe and feel good about their hospital. Have you limited visitors because of COVID-19? We've limited our ER visitation. However, we've kept open our what I call our structured limited inpatient visitation from 3 to 7 every day. We have screeners that track each one of our visitors and we'll go get you if you wander or you don't come out when you're supposed to. So that's been, uh, I think, a good accommodation. We've done that now for a couple of months and uh, I think it's a nice balance between the very important support our patients need when they're sick from their family, but also making sure that people aren't exposed and safe. One of the things you said on the employee update that I heard was that oftentimes it's the family members who can tell the medical staff what really is going on with the patient. And I know that patients often really do need the comfort and actual assistance from family members. So I'm glad you've been able to keep regular visitation open. Yeah, it's been um, a challenge, but well worth the effort. Dan Brinkman, thank you so much for your time. Aloha. Aloha, Sherry. This is Island Conversations. I'm Sherry Bracken. Today we talked with Dan Brinkman. He's the chief executive of Hilo Medical Center, which currently has 10 patients hospitalized with COVID-19. As of this afternoon, both Kona Community Hospital and North Hawaii Community Hospital spokespeople said they both had zero patients, so that is good. Just a heads up, after I spoke with Dan Brinkman, I recorded a short interview with Hawaii County Mayor Harry Kim about some of the restrictions he has imposed, specifically relative to gatherings. So I will be posting that. Keep an eye out for it. Thank you so much for being with us. And until the next Island Conversations, please, let's all live and drive with aloha. Ahui ho. Thank you for listening to Island Conversations with Sherry Bracken, available anytime at kwxx.com. We welcome your feedback and suggestions at info at kwxx.com. Join us next week for another Island Conversations with Sherry Bracken, brought to you by KTA Superstores, where you're someone special every day since 1916.